This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, We are going to begin today and move into uh, the next couple of weeks talking about sharing the good news, evangelism, missions. Uh, Travis and I are going to team up on this for the next several weeks, but today we're starting with just sharing the good news. For you personally, sharing the good news with family, friends, coworkers, strangers. And I really had two titles for this message. This is what it ended up being. But then I thought I should probably show you what I was thinking about. And I felt it was a little too abrasive. But here's what it was. Sharing the good news without being weird or a jerk. And I felt emboldened to do that after Alex Amaya was here last week. Uh, there's something about Alex preaching at our church that makes me want you know, go at it with... Uh, with people, But some of you do not share the good news of Jesus with people because you are afraid you're going to be looked at like a Jesus freak. You're afraid people are going to see you as weird. And then there are others who think they might be sharing the good news, but really you're just sharing your opinion on something going on. And if we're not careful, we can be combative and defensive. And we can come off like a jerk. And that's why people say, if that's what it means to follow Christ, I want nothing to do with it. So today, let's talk about what does it mean to share the good news? What does it mean to let people know that we uh, come in contact with, that we spend time with, uh, that Jesus died for them? And we live in a world full of bad news. You've heard a lot of bad news lately. Every morning, we wake up to find out, what should I be mad about today? What should outrage me today and get me all spun up? And if we're not careful... We forget, yes, the great commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the great commandment is to love. The great commission is to go. And you and I are called to love and go. And it's not just something we do. It's part of our DNA. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, it is in who you are That yes, you are called to love and you are called to share the good news of Jesus. But here's a concern I have for myself. I don't want all the bad news to keep me from sharing the good news. And I see this happening with believers today. We get so much bad news and why are we so quick to share this? Proverbs calls gossip a dainty morsel. I've always loved that word picture. Because when you hear gossip, it's like a dainty morsel. You can't help but take it, and it just tastes good going down. And you can't wait to share that dainty morsel with someone else. Bad news works kind of the same way. It's once we get it, and it's like, man, this is good, and i got to make sure the next person that I meet, that conversation begins with, hey, did you hear about? And we're actually enthusiastic about the bad news. But I got to remind all of us, we are not a bad news people. We are a good news people. And we need to have enthusiasm for sharing this message. So there's some conversations that you may get into this week. Here's two of them. There's the conversations about your faith initiated by others. So someone asks you about your faith. I get asked this often, and it usually starts for me with, what do you do? Get this on airplanes all the time. What do you do? Ah. If I say I'm a pastor, it can either shut the conversation down, people apologizing for all the foul language they use leading up to that announcement. You have any idea the number of times people have said, I'm sorry for what I said before I knew what you did. 
you ain't got to worry about me. I ain't your issue. But then I love telling people I'm a pastor and people go, get the bleep out of here. Are you serious? That's awesome. <laughs> so conversations can be weird for me. So when, I love when people ask me, what do you do? And I respond with, I'm a teacher. What do you teach? History and ethics. <laughs> but then they say, where? And that gives it away <laughs> in a theme park. But eventually, I have to have better answers. And no matter how the conversation starts, you and I both need better answers. What do we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, here we go, with gentleness and respect. You're going to meet combative and defensive people and... The, the key here is that we're able to share with someone who's combative and defensive without ourselves becoming combative and defensive. Sharing the good news with gentleness and respect. There's going to be a lot of conversations that people initiate with you, and we need to be ready. We'll talk about that today. But then there are the conversations that you initiate that you are bold enough and you understand, I am an ambassador for Christ. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We take this good news because we implore people, what? On Christ's behalf, to be reconciled to God. And that is why we share the good news with those who are lost. So today, let's start with this question and then look at some of the thoughts that maybe you've had, thoughts that keep you from sharing the good news, uh, things that maybe you've said out loud or things that you have just thought. What keeps you from sharing it? We're going to look at five today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul's going to share in here with the Corinthians, not just what he shares, but how he shares it. And I hope this is encouraging for you. I hope it emboldens you to share your faith more. I hope it uh, prepares you with that answer to give for the hope that you have in you and to do it with gentleness and respect. And the more I read these first five verses, and you're going to see if you have your Bible, you can write these notes right next to it. You're going to see clearly how we communicate. And hopefully it removes some of the roadblocks that maybe have kept you from sharing the good news. Here's the first one, and maybe you've had this thought. I'm not a good communicator. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there are some who would say, I'm not an orator. I am not a public speaker. Uh, I get into conversations with people who speak better than me, and I find myself shutting down. And so I, I want us to address this first and foremost, because this is where Paul begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And he's picking up from chapter 1, speaking on the futility of human wisdom. He says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. I didn't come to you like the Athenian philosophers. In Corinth at this time, they prided themselves on their wisdom, their wealth, uh, their ability to communicate. And, and maybe you've been in a situation like this, maybe at work or in a classroom. I've dealt with this in classroom. You find out, and we all find this out at some point in our life, you're not the smartest person in the room. Been in plenty of those situations. I've been in a lot of situations where I'm intimidated by the subject matter. 
and, and people are smarter than me, and they know a lot more about the subject than me, and so this can be intimidating. But what does Paul say? I didn't come to you with that eloquence or with human wisdom. He says, no, I proclaim to you the testimony about God. To people who prided themselves on wealth, wisdom, and strength, he says, I brought to you the gospel message. So I I want us to remove the stigma of you got to have all the words just right. I joke with my entertaining friends in this town. uh, I always love to come at the beginning of the season to your first show because you don't have all the kinks worked out, and those are my favorite. I love when mistakes are made on stage. How many of you love when mistakes are made on stage? It livens up the whole show. You forgot a line. You forgot a punchline. The mic didn't work. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. At the Garth Brooks concert in September, I don't know if you, how many were there on the Thursday night where it was kind of with the staff and the, the, the Bass Pro Big Cedar folks? That was my favorite night because Garth got there late after we were all there and he didn't have time for a mic check. So he came and he did his mic check for us. That was my favorite part of the whole weekend. It was utter nonsense and chaos and he's singing and he doesn't know what he, and he's changing out packs and changing out his guitar and I'm like, this is, this is incredible. It's my favorite part. Why? Because I love to see this guy worth a few hundred million dollars. One of the greatest entertainers of our day is trying to figure it out in the moment. And then, then what he did, this was, he walks back and he kept saying, as we all went, you know, he did a Merle Haggard cover. He goes, hey, this isn't the show. This isn't it yet. And then he walked backstage and you saw him. Everybody saw him. The camera was on him. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, probably the best entertainer of all time. Mr. Garth Brooks. He comes out and everybody loses their mind. But I'm like, oh, I preferred the mic check. <laughs> because some of you think that when it comes to sharing your faith, you have to have the press play. I don't know about you, but when I share my faith, I, I find myself in conversations and in moments that I am, the press play doesn't work. Questions are being asked, conversations being had. And a lot of times sharing the good news feels more like a mic check. We're walking through this together. The truth is going to be proclaimed. But it doesn't come out like the four spiritual laws that some of us were trained in. It doesn't come out like evangelism explosion like some of us were trained in. Those are great, and I think we need the training for those who've been trained like officially in some system of evangelism. But for those who say, I'm not a good communicator, I don't know how to put words together, I I stumble over my words, I get around people who know more about things in the world than I do, well, that leads us to number two. I don't have answers for all that's going on in the world. Watch what Paul says in verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know if that encouraged, that encourages me. You know why? He's saying here, my message is straightforward. Now, I've been in ministry over 25 years. I meet people all the time who are looking for depth, the mystery, the secret of the Bible. Listen, the secret of the Bible is Jesus. The mystery of the Bible is Jesus. And people want depth. And here's what he's saying. The message I brought to you, I, I know you have your traveling orders. The Athenian philosophers, and they, they stop places, their students are with them, and they begin teaching. He said, I just came. I know what I know, and what I know is Christ and Christ crucified. We, we live in a time where it's like, man, we got to Google every day to figure out what's going on. I know, and I ask that you don't amen on this. I ask you to honor this as a big deal, but I know some of you are targeting, targeting, <laughs> I meant to say boycotting target is what that meant to come out with. <laughs> Blew that one. So 
And I'm not a big boycotter. I've never been a big boycotter in my life, but we have decided uh, to... I asked Amy to boycott Target, for, but not for the reason you're probably boycotting. I just said, uh, we can't spend money anymore at Target. <laughs> you know what I told her years ago? When I die, I want to be buried in the Target parking lot. That way I know you'll come see me three, four times a week. Uh, but that's where our, our prescription set up, and I had to go pick up a prescription this week, and uh, I, I went in there. I didn't, I mean, and again, I don't know what's going on, and I haven't followed it enough, but man, I went in there. It was kind of a ghost town. I kind of felt bad, and, and uh, I, I saw some of our church members, and I felt like a Baptist in a liquor store. I was like, hey, I don't know. I'm not supposed to be in here. But then, and then it's true, this is true, I did see a Baptist deacon walk in the aisle, I go, what are you doing in here? He goes, I'm getting my Bud Light. So, uh, the Baptists have found a safe place to buy their beer. I said, I go, I, I don't know how many sins you're committing. You're in Target, you're buying beer, you're buying the wrong beer. Anyway, so... Target, Bud Light pandemics, vaccines, politics. I mean, there's so many things that people feel like I got to really be engaged. And listen, awareness is good. I like to be aware and have engage in these conversations. But when we talk about sharing the good news, the priority is Christ and Christ crucified. And sometimes we can get lost in these secondary issues and think the secondary issues are the gospel. No, Christ and Christ crucified is the gospel. Number three, and I think this is one we spend some time on because this is, this is what most research tells us keeps people from sharing the good news. Number three, I fear rejection by family and friends. I fear it'll affect our holidays if I proclaim the name of Jesus and share the good news. Look at verse three. This is now you really get into Paul's approach here. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I can't tell you how many times I've shared the gospel with my lower lip quivering. My lower lip quivering is like my lie detector. Like that lower lip quiver, that's coming from a place I can't control. And, and I think that's a healthy place for all of us to be in. If you find yourself confident and demanding, and that probably goes against the gentle, respectful approach. That that. that Fear and trembling approach says, okay, I am going to share the good news. And I think sometimes we got to get back. Mark Batterson said it this week, and, and I, I shared it earlier this week, but I want to post it or have it here for all of us to see. And he said this, when did we start believing we could follow Jesus without being betrayed by Judas, mocked by Pharisees, tempted by the enemy in the wilderness, or crucified by Roman soldiers? When did we start believing that God called us to safe places to do easy things with nice people? Right? We're called to be loving, gentleness, respect. We're called to be loving, but I, it doesn't mean we're going to be loved. Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember they hated me first. Now, this isn't a challenge for you to go out and seek ways to be hated. But when you share the good news, you will encounter those who get in your face. I don't know if you saw on the video Weeks ago, this woman was mauled by a buffalo in Yellowstone. Did anybody see that? It was going around, and it was a fascinating clip. This lady gets mauled by a buffalo and gets knocked down. And, and, I, and I, I'm going to just tell you, if you get mauled by a buffalo in Yellowstone, you deserve it. 
You deserve it. You're too close. You shouldn't be that close. And I told Amy, I'll never, ever in my life get mauled by a buffalo. And some of you are like, how can you be so sure? Because I won't ever take a selfie with one. That's why I won't get mauled by a buffalo. This woman was taking a selfie with the buffalo. The buffalo just got, I thought it was a real gentle little, just, hey, get out of my way. And knocked her to the ground. And this was her, if you got to watch this video, she gets up and she's like, what's your problem? I don't want to speak on behalf of all buffaloes, but he's just being a buffalo. You got too close. He's just he was chewing. He wasn't mad at you. He's like, hey, you're in my space. And just a little bit. And knocked her flying and all that. And, and I, I think this happens all the time to believers. We share the good news. We're met with hostility. And we're like, hey, what's your problem? Lost people are going to act like lost people. Angry people are going to get angry. Combative people are going to be combative. We've got to stop having this attitude like, huh, what's your problem? You're, you're a buffalo. I should expect this. Like sharing the good news will bring you face to face with defensive and combative people. You know what the key is? Don't you yourself become defensive and combative. Share the good news, right? You don't become defensive and combative. Instead, look at what we saw earlier. Do this with gentleness and respect. And people have a hard time, one more point here, people have a hard time listening to the good news when you're raising your voice or rolling your eyes. Let's share with gentleness and respect. So what keeps you from sharing? These are the top two that you hear. If you look at any research, you can boil them down to this. Fears that keep us from sharing, being preachy or coming off as judgmental holds us back from sharing the good news of Jesus, hurting the relationship, or ending a relationship. What are your roadblocks? A couple weeks ago, I went to see 88-year-old Pat Kershaw, a widow in our church, and she lives out in Taneyville. There's two ways to get to Pat's house. You can take the paved roads through downtown Taneyville. That's a strong term, but... uh, you can go through Taneyville on paved roads, and it's beautiful. If you've not been out to that part of Taney County, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's one of my favorite rides. You go down through Forsyth and over the bridge. It's beautiful. But there's another way to get to Pat's house. You can go on a gravel road, one of the most beautiful pictures in the Ozarks. It's got a bluff that goes up this side of your car and a creek on this side. And I was, just, I was ready for some adventure. And I drive a Tacoma, and my, uh, my algorithm is full of Tacomas doing a- adventurous things. And I decided on my way, by the time I got to Forsyth, I said, I'm taking the gravel road. Pat told me two years ago that road is closed because of the, you know, landslides and all of that and the boulders everywhere. I'm like, we'll see. <laughs> so I took the gravel road, and I'm, I probably made it a quarter mile down, but I mean the boulders were about this high. And I sat there for a second. And I'm thinking, how, I can, obviously, I'm not going left. That's a big old wall. There's a creek over here. Remember, I've told you for years I've wanted a snorkel for my truck. And now I've got a biblical ministry reason to get one. I got a widow in bad need of a visit. But I looked and I thought, I, that's, it's, gonna, it's not going to work. But, and the ditch was too deep. And I'm sitting there trying to think. Th- and then I'm thinking... Okay, because I got the toe strap out, and I'm going to wrap it around a boulder that was on this side and think, if I could move this one boulder, 
then I could keep the left tire on the road, put the right tire in the ditch and go. And at this point, I'm dropping a pin to Amy <laughs> so she knows where to gather my body. Uh, <laughs> she always says, you do stuff like this, please. You go fishing, I always have to drop her a pin. But I sat there for a couple minutes and realized I got to back up. And did I feel like the biggest wuss on the planet? Going, I got a widow that I, this is, and, I'm, and, I just, and I backed up. I think all of us do this when we hit a roadblock. We don't spend one minute of thinking, how can I get around this? How, how, how can I, how can I pause? ask the Holy Spirit to recall a verse that you've memorized? I need wisdom and discernment in this moment. I, and instead of just hitting that roadblock, like, okay, no problem. And, and we, we like shut the conversation down and keep going. See, when you are gentle and respectful in a conversation, sharing the good news. I'm telling you, you, you don't have to back up right away and end the whole thing. The conversation continues. And you don't need to let a roadblock stop you. Now, it, it, here's another one we have. I don't know what to say. This is different than the first concern or fear that we sometimes have, saying I'm not a good communicator. What words do I use? What words do I use? If his preaching was done with with fear and trembling, look at what he says about his message, Paul, in verse 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. you got to think about the Corinthian mind thinking about that because they prided themselves on impressive words that moved the needle in the, the minds of people. And, he, and you're going to see as we end out this text, I didn't use impressive words, persuasive language, because it is all about God's power working through the gospel, not me. Not the words that you pick and the words that you choose. So what is, what is the gospel? As simple as we can state it today, the bad news is you are a sinner. The, the bad news is, for there's none righteous, no, not one. The bad news is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The bad news is, the wages of sin is death. But the good news is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You are a sinner, yes, but he died for you. And maybe this might help with some of you with your family. You, you have someone in your family that is not living for God. They've never placed faith in Jesus. They have a lifestyle that you don't agree with. And you have told them that they're a sinner. But every time you're with them, you remind them of this. Maybe it's time to remind them of this. You're like, well, I don't say it anymore. It's all over your face. And they know it. And they know what you believe. See, that's the bad news. But the good news is Jesus died for you. And we are good news people, reminding people of the life that we have in Christ. Timothy Keller says this about the gospel. The gospel is that I am so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, yet so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. And coming out of June, uh, I thought Pastor Shane Pruitt said it well when he said, the goal of the gospel is not to affirm you, celebrate you, and accept you. The goal of the gospel is to rescue you, transform you, and redirect you. And see, what did Satan say when, when he was talking to Adam and Eve? He said, well, you're not going to die. And yet the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You're not going to die. Actually, if you take of this fruit, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God. 
And that's still the same lie many of you are falling for today. You thump your chest and you're like, it's my life. I'll do what I want. I'll live how I want. I'm not going to have any destruction for this way I'm living. My eyes are open. I'm an illumined individual. I'm an enlightened individual. And what you're saying is you are God. But the gospel says you are not God. You are a sinner. And to repent of your sins and to confess, confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that he has been raised from the dead, then you will be saved. You can't be saved when you are God. You can't be saved when you're looking for a gospel that affirms you, celebrates you for what you've decided to do and how you've decided to live. No, it's coming face to face with a savior and understanding I am lost. I am blind. I am, I am dead in my transgressions and I need a savior from all of this and realizing Jesus died for you. That is the gospel. Placing faith alone in Christ alone. And number five, some of you, this is what holds you back. Finishing up with verse four and verse five. I've not been effective in the past. You look back at the times that you have shared the good news. You haven't seen any results. And you're like, why does it matter? Instead, I'll just invite people to church and let the professionals do it. It's not about your persuasive words. It's not about some impressive presentation that you can put together. It is about God working through you, his power through you. Look at what the scripture says but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on this eloquence, persuasive words, human wisdom, but on God's power. And so for the one today who's never placed faith in Jesus, I pray that after this service, whether you're in the courtyard or outside or online, connect with some, uh, one of our pastors or in here, come down to the front, uh, give your life to Jesus. And for the next Several Sundays, we're going to be talking about taking this message to the ends of the earth. And, uh, you know, we had a great trip this year already to Ecuador as uh, a church family with the great project that we've shared that. And we'll share that again uh, in the next couple of weeks. A group of about 11 of us uh, are going to Kenya on July 11th, led by Kent and Stephanie McMillan, who are in this service. Uh, and then we have a trip coming up that we're opening up to the entire church family uh, we're thinking it's going to be capped around 30 to 35 people uh, to Guatemala. And next Sunday at 1145 over in the chapel, if uh, you are interested in learning more about missions, and we know a lot of people will attend a meeting like that just to learn more, uh, learn what they can do if they're not going. And, but there's a part for you to play in prayer and in caring for the team, but if, if that's something the Lord has placed upon your heart, like, yes, I want to go uh, and serve internationally, I'm, I'm super grateful for our church to say at the end of this year, we've had three trips, actually four, there's a, a smaller group going to Peru uh, next week uh, that our church is tied to, uh, but I just want to encourage you, uh, if this is something the Lord's been laying on your heart, I'm so grateful for the McMillans and not just their role in this church and and one of the reasons I love them leading this trip is because these are two evangelists who share the good news here at home, and that's something you look for before you go think about sharing the good news in another country. <laughs> Let's share it in our neighborhoods. Uh, let's share it in our own town. So that'll be 1145 in the chapel uh, next Sunday if you're interested in going to Guatemala in September. And if you have placed faith in Jesus, uh, 
here at Woodland Hills or in recent months, or you've been a believer for a while and never been baptized, July 30th, I can't encourage you enough uh, to put that on your schedule. Be here. What a great time that is for our church family to be able to, to celebrate with you, walking into the water, um, professing your faith in Christ. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for what you continue to do uh, in this church as the good news goes out from our church family into this community this week, I, I pray that they pray for someone specifically that they want to share the good news with. And they pray leading up to the next time they're going to be with that person. And then you give them the words to share. Give them the boldness to share the hope that they have in Jesus in a gentle and respectful way. I thank you for how you continue to use this church and the growth that we've experienced in recent months. Uh, we ask that you uh, help us, uh, equip us, empower us to steward that well. Uh, we want many to come to saving faith in Jesus and that this church would boldly proclaim that um, until the Lord returns. Uh, for the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today is the day they step down to the front, meet with someone uh, to give their life to Christ. We pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus and everyone agreed and said.